You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrds.nl. And now, let's get into the podcast. Good morning. My name is Anna van der Leij. I'm part of the preaching team. Um, good morning if you're watching online. I hope you'll be inspired um, through the screen. Um, We've been reading through the book of John, and we wrapped it up last week with the story of Thomas. Next week, we're starting a brand new series on the Holy Spirit, and that's promising to be exciting. So we're in between series, and in this time in the year, we're also in between Easter, where Jesus rose from the dead, and Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes and uh, the, the church starts. So we're kind of in a waiting period. And there's a story in the Bible on, in that period that I want to look at today with you guys. And I just want to go through the story. And there are some like, really beautiful lessons. Um, and I'm just actually quite excited to share them with you today. But first, um, I have a question for you. So go with me for a minute. Imagine yourself in one of your favorite spots, like taking a walk or sitting on a bench in the sun. We can finally sit on a bench in the sun. Finally, maybe having a stroll on the beach, maybe walking through the city center. I don't know what's your favorite spot, but imagine yourself walking there. You're by yourself. You're taking a stroll. Can you picture yourself? Now imagine all of a sudden Jesus walking next to you. He's just walking the same pace like a friend. He's walking along with you. I'm walking out of the light, back into the light. He's walking there. And imagine, what would you say to him when he's walking next to you? What would you tell him? What would you ask him? I'm letting you think for a second. <coughs> or would you maybe be so awestruck that you don't know what to say? You're just like, it's Jesus. <laughs> I asked my nine-year-old daughter what she would ask, and she actually had the most beautiful question. Um, she said, it was just asked after Easter, and she said, I would ask him how it feels to rise from the dead. How, well, what, did you, what emotion did you feel? Were you happy, excited? I'm like, that's a cool question. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to ask that. If I ever meet Jesus, I'm going to ask that. So the story today I want to look at is the, uh, the road to Emmaus. Two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus, and actually Jesus walks with them. They are walking on the road, and all of a sudden Jesus is there. So I want to look at that story. I want to read it with you, and it's in the book of Luke. Um, it's, a long, it's a bit of a long uh, part, but it's worth reading the whole story. It's Luke 24, 13 to 35. It's just after uh, Easter. Jesus has appeared to the woman at the tomb. Um, they haven't seen him yet, but they, the angels have said that he is risen from the dead. And now we here we have two of the disciples. That same day, two of them were going to a village named em called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? Jesus asked, what things? 
about Jesus of Nazareth, he replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. But some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, how foolish you are. How slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. He gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their side. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we, he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem, and there they found the eleven and, some, and those with them, assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen, he appeared to Simon. And then the two told them, told them what happened on the way, how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So far. So here we have the story of Emmaus, and it's one of the three stories that Luke describes in his book. The other uh, gospels also describe one or two of the resurrection stories, and these are the th uh, um, Luke describes three. And if you read the story, you kind of wonder why, why does Luke want to share this story? What's so special about this story that he needs to share this one? Um, if you look at Corinthians 15, it says that uh, Jesus appeared to a lot of disciples on the, after his uh, resurrection. He appeared to Peter, he appeared then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters. And then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. So all these stories, he's, appear, he's appeared numerous times, but Luke picks three. And why these? Well, we're going to look at several reasons why this story is so special, but I've already one of the things I noticed is that Jesus, he rose from the dead, and you could have imagined he wanted to appear in some grand uh, manner. He was crucified publicly. You could imagine he would also rise publicly and maybe show himself and breaking stones, maybe some thunder going on. You can say, well, I've risen from the dead. But no, Jesus first appears to the women at the tomb, and the women were not in that culture um, seen as equal to the men. He appears to two disciples, one of which we don't even know the name, and then two disciples in their home. So what that tells me is that Jesus appeared to the people that he was close to, his friends, his disciples, and he appeared to the normal people, the regular people, not the rich, the famous, the leaders, not to the whole nation. No, he appeared to those close to him. People like you, people like me. 
And it just goes to show that the resurrection story is that Jesus died and rose for all people, for everyone, not just the few. So that's already a, a small, beautiful lesson from this story. So the story is in Emmaus, and just a little background, Emmaus is a small town outside of Jerusalem, and we actually don't know exactly where it is. Scholars are debating which town it might be nowadays, but they don't really know. We know it's about 11 kilometers away, it's two and a half hour walk, I was, would assume. But it, it shows that the story's not about Emmaus. The, the town itself, the destination is not what, what matters. The significance is that they're on the road somewhere. They're on the road away from Jerusalem, and in that road that they're taking, Jesus is there. So there we are, outside of Jerusalem. It's Sunday morning, the Sabbath is over, they can now travel again, and these two disciples are on the road, probably going home, we don't know exactly. We know one of them is called Cleopas, we don't know who the other one is, might be a friend, might be his wife, we don't know. And they're disillusioned. They are so disappointed because they have been full of hope. This might be the moment. They had sensed that something was about to happen, something grand was about to happen. And they were hoping that maybe, maybe Jesus now would be the Messiah that would save them from those evil Romans. They had long hoped for a Messiah to come and they knew the Old Testament stories. They knew there would be a Messiah and he would save them and he would redeem the nation. They imagined it would be something maybe like Moses who had saved the people from Egypt, freed them from the Pharaoh with wonders. Yeah, yeah, it would be something like that. And those Romans, they would finally be kicked out of the country. Would Jesus be that Messiah they had so long hoped for? Jesus was the bearer of their hopes, and now their hopes were crushed. Not only did Jesus not defeat their enemy, he was crucified by him. Their faces are literally downcast. They're looking at the dirt of the road, they're not looking up, they don't see anything, they're looking down, and it's all lost. And that's where Jesus comes and meets them. Have you ever felt without hope? Have you ever felt so disappointed, looking down? Jesus shows up and meets them. It says, as they walked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. They didn't recognize him, they think he's a stranger, and Jesus asks Cleopas what they're talking about, and Cleopas just starts to share the whole story. It's actually not without a risk that Cleopas does that, because um, if you were a follower of Jesus at that time, you could actually be arrested. But Cleopas, he just seems to be without care, beyond caring. You know, everything's lost anyway, he might as well tell the whole story. And they talk, and Cleopas says, are you the only one who doesn't know what has happened? And Jesus just had, what things? He was there. But Jesus wants to hear their story. He wants to hear them talk about how Jesus was a prophet and how he did wonders and miracles and they had hoped that he would redeem them and save them. And Jesus can hear the disappointment in their story and in their, what they say. 
And he wants to hear them say that. He takes the time to listen to them. He takes the time to just listen to their disappointment and everything they have to say about it. He's there with them, and they don't even realize it, but he's there. He knows everything, but he still wants to hear them say it. He wants to hear them talk. And here's a lesson for us already. Jesus is present in our life. Maybe we don't notice him, maybe we don't recognize it, but he's there. The story tells us that Jesus is there walking next to us and he's interested in what we have to tell him. I don't know if you often notice that Jesus might be present with us, that we're not on our own. I know I go through the rush of the days often not realizing that God might be present or that I can just ask him something or that I can pray or because we're just so busy. Or maybe we are downcast and we don't know what to think and we, we are hope, feel hopeless and we don't know, we feel like we're on our own and we think where's God in this. The story doesn't give all the answers but the story does tell us Jesus is there. And I guess more often than we realize, he is present. So we read that thing, I skipped over it, but it says they were kept from recognizing him. And actually that's quite mysterious. Why didn't the disciples recognize Jesus? They have been walking along with him for, for months, years. We know that Jesus had a transformed body. I mean, he probably looked different, but it was still Jesus. On the physical side, it's strange that they don't recognize him. And it seems there is a deeper reason they didn't recognize him. I came across a, a, a commentary from one of the early popes, Pope Gregory the Great. It's, it's back in 590, so this is old wisdom, but he already had some amazing insight on this, which I just want to share because I loved it. He says, the Lord appeared to them, but he did not show them a face they could recognize. In this way, the Lord enacted outwardly before their physical eyes what was going on with them inwardly before the eyes of their hearts. For inwardly, they simultaneously loved him and doubted him. Therefore, the Lord was outwardly present and at the same time did not reveal his identity. Since they were speaking about him, he showed them his presence, but since he, they doubted him, he hid them the appearance by which they could recognize him. Interesting. Inwardly, they doubted that Jesus was the Messiah and they just could not believe that. So outwardly, Jesus was present, but he hid his identity. And why? Because they still had a step to take before they could recognize Jesus. Inwardly, in their heart, they still had a step to take before recognizing him. Interesting. So let's dig a little deeper in the story and unravel this a little bit. Because now Jesus starts talking. And Jesus explains the scriptures. He, um, and he's actually being a little strict, a little angry with him, with them. How foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken, he says. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? You can hear the frustration in Jesus' voice. Don't you get it by now? It's me. I'm the Messiah. You can just hear him wanting to scream it to them. But he realizes he needs to take them, take them along on the road. He needs to take them and go through the scriptures. So Jesus goes through all the scriptures 
tells them about the prophecies and explains them to them. Now, some scriptures say there are about 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. I don't think he read all of them. I hope not. But the disciples knew these scriptures. They had been taught the Old Testament. They knew the books. They knew the scriptures about the Messiah coming. They had just never understood them the right way. It's like they had a binocular, a fetigeiger, and they were looking at it from the wrong side. They had been looking the wrong side to the story. And it's, it, does, it makes sense. They had formed an image of what the Messiah would be like, what kind of Messiah would come to save them. And based on the Old Testament stories, they thought that might be someone like Moses. Or maybe King David, the great king who fought wars, and he was a righteous king, and he was going in front of them, very visible. The idea, the image of a crucified Messiah with a crown of thorns on his head, they could never have imagined that would be their Messiah. The idea that a, a crucified Messiah would redeem them, that just didn't occur in their mind. It was totally outside of their paradigm, outside of their realm of possibilities. So no, they didn't understand the prophecies that way. And that's where Jesus comes in and he starts to explain the scriptures. He turns the binocular the right way, shines his light on the scriptures and explains how the scriptures were meant. He explains how all these prophecies come together and like a photo mosaic, you can, all these different little prophecies together paint a picture of the person of Jesus. All, to get, all these prophecies come together and paint a picture of Jesus, the risen Messiah. And when they realize that, finally, they understand. Now they see Jesus is the Messiah. They went from lost hope, doubt about the Messiah, to faith in the resurrected Messiah, in the person of Jesus, through the scriptures who were enlightened by, to them. Now they understand. Now, looking at the story, it would be easy for us, knowing what we know now, to say they are foolish for not understanding. It would be easy to say, well, how come they don't see it? Isn't it clear? But we know the, the whole story. And we need to be careful not to make the same mistake as they did. To say that something that happened must kind of, cannot have been from God. To discount something God has done just because we don't understand it. For them, it was outside of their realm of possibilities, but aren't there things that happen in our life that we don't understand? <coughs> things that happen that we wonder, where is God in this? Is God even present in this, in this situation? In our lives also, there are things God does that we cannot understand. It's that verse from Isaiah where God says, my plans are higher than your plans, my ways are higher than your ways. We don't know what happens, but if we look back, then we see God's hand in, this, in our situation. Then we often see, oh, oh, now I understand what God has done. But at the moment, we often don't understand it either. And this story is, if it's telling us something, it's telling us that we can trust God to be present. We can trust God to have a plan even if we don't understand. And 
He wants to enlighten us in that. And that makes this story so beautiful. For me, this story is about us. In so many ways, this is a reflection of our faith life. It's a reflection of what we go through when we go from not believing to being a believer and having faith. But it's also the story of our daily, our daily struggles, of that family uh, choice that you need to make, that work decision that is difficult, that illness that someone's struggling with or that you are struggling with, that faith question that you struggle with that you can't seem to find an answer to. It's in all those moments that we are doubting that we don't know how to struggle with it. And we, we are looking at it with our very human eyes, with the wrong side of the binocular, and we don't understand. And then Jesus takes his time with us, and he shows us, he enlightens the truth for us. He shines his light on it, and we, we come to recognize his presence. We come to understand the truth of the situation. The story shows us that Jesus takes the time to lead us through that discovery. He wants, he's interested in that road that we take, that steps we need to take, and he knows it takes time, and he has that time. He wants to explain to us, he wants to enlighten us. That's why we have the Holy Spirit, to, to guide us through that and to show us the truth. He's there every step of the way to show us what, where his hand is in our situation. If we ask him, he's there to do that. I love that about this story, how relevant it is today. Now finally they arrive in Emmaus. And Jesus appears to be wanting to continue, but the disciples say, no, please come and stay with us, it's evening already. And he goes in and ha they have a meal. And Luke tells us that Jesus then takes the bread and breaks it. Now, uh, being a guest in the house, that's not very common, I think, but he still does it. And it's a very significant gesture of Jesus there as he takes the bread and breaks it. Because it, it refers to the last time he was um, breaking the bread at the Last Supper with his disciples. And he was telling them, this is my body broken for you. And again, with the disciples of Emmaus, he's again showing them, this is what I have just done for you. My body has just been broken for you. And in that intimacy, in that moment where they're at the table, in their house, they're connected, they're close, in that moment, breaking the bread, that's when their eyes are open and they recognize Jesus. That is so beautiful. The symbolism of that is so beautiful. It's in the intimacy of fellowship that Jesus reveals himself to us. They have fellowship and their hearts are slowly but surely drawn towards Jesus. And he draws near to them and that's where they see him for who he really is. And if that's true for them then, it's true for us now. When we draw near to Jesus, when we draw near to him, when we come close to him, that's when he reveals himself to us. That's where we see who he really is. And the men don't, are not even so surprised when they finally recognize, him, uh, recognize Jesus. They say, were not our hearts burning within his, in us while he was talking to us, while he was explaining the scriptures? Somewhere in the spiritual reality, they were already sensing his presence. They just couldn't grasp it. They just couldn't tell them what it is, but they already sensed it. They already knew. And then 
As soon as their eyes were opened, they recognized Jesus. They have a long meal together. They talk till morning before re returning to Jerusalem. Now, Jesus disappears. As soon as their eyes are opened, he's gone. Another twist in the story, actually. But here's another lesson for the disciples and for us. They were used to having Jesus around all the time. And what Jesus is, is making clear here is that his presence was no longer going to be the reason that they had faith. It didn't, the fellowship with Jesus was not going to depend on them seeing him, but was going to depend on him believing in him and having faith in him. He did not need to be present anymore for them to know he was present and there. And then we had received the Holy Spirit as a new way for Jesus to be present with us. But it wasn't in the same form that it used to be anymore. Then finally, notice their response. It was evening, it was getting dark, they had just walked to home, but they could not do anything but go back straight back to Jerusalem. Another two and a half hour walk, all the way back in the dark, but they just had to go to the disciples and tell them what had happened, because they had seen the risen Jesus. I think that's when they became missionaries. I think that's when they became missionaries for the gospel of Christ. Kind of where the church started for all the disciples, but for these two that started here, they needed to share the news that they had, been, that they had heard. And it happens here. The story of Emma's is the story of us. The second disciple was never name, called by name. And I think Luke might have done that on purpose. Maybe we can identify ourselves with that second disciple. Could have been you, could have been me. It's a journey that we all take in our Christian walk. We go from doubt in Jesus to understanding the scriptures, to Jesus revealing his truth to us, us coming into intimacy with him and experiencing his presence. And we also give witness of what we've heard. The story also comforts us that Jesus is present in our lives, that he cares about our doubts, that he cares about our questions. And the story invites us. It invites, invites you to walk with Jesus, to walk on your road, on your everyday life, to have Jesus walk next to you, to notice him, to see him, to ask him, to talk to him, to share your heart, your thoughts, knowing that he has the time to be there with you. I started with a question. What would you say to Jesus if you would ever see him and walk next to him? I want to end with another question and turn the question around. And maybe we can, we can pray as we think about this question. Maybe we can close our eyes and pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are present in our lives. Thank you that we can experience you, that we can notice you, that you are there, whether we notice it or not, that you are present, that the story promises us that we can always come to you. Now the question I would like to ask you, and maybe think about it for a minute, is if Jesus was still walking next to you in your favorite spot, what would Jesus might be saying to you? What would he like to say to you? 
Can you maybe hear his voice whispering your heart, in your mind? Does a thought come to mind? What does Jesus might want to say to you about your situation, about where you are at right now in your life? Maybe he has something to say to you. Jesus, thank you that you walk with us. And if you want to speak to us, we want to hear what you have to say. How you want to speak life into our heart, in our life right now. How you want to speak truth in our life. Or maybe just say that you love us. That you think we're worthy. That we, you think we're, we're precious. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that we can always draw near to you and that you will draw near to us. Thank you that you are the risen Messiah, that you have conquered death for us. And we say, Jesus, we believe in you. Jesus, we belong to you. We are your children. As we sing our last song, maybe just open, keep your heart open. Maybe God wants to speak to you. Jesus wants to say something to you. Maybe this could be a great time for that. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.